Welcome to Radiate Church Online. We are so excited about what God is doing here at Radiate Church in Elgin, South Carolina. If you have a story that you would want to share about the impact that God has had on your life, you can share that story at youmatter@radiatechurch.net. Also, if you'd like to give, you can give by going to radiatechurch.net or you can give to our ministry by app. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message from God. We are pumped and excited about week two of our Go Fish series as we've been, uh, we, we've been talking about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and how it's active. Now, how many, how many sports fans do we have in the house? We got any sports fans in the house? Come on. Sports fans are not quiet. Sports fans are loud, so I'm going to ask that one more time. How many f- sports fans we got in the house today? I, I tripped over that, that phrase for a minute, you know. We're loud, right? We, we, if, we, if our baseball team hits a home run, we go crazy. Yeah, let's go. If the Yankees are winning, you know, we get excited. You know, if uh, the Braves take the series, we go crazy. Unfortunately, Carolina baseball, we have nothing to cheer about yet so far. Um, but, you know, or, or football, we go crazy whenever we, there's a big hit or there's a touchdown or anything like that, right? But what if I told you today that I got enough glow bucks right here, glow dough as they call it, to give you four free tickets to a Fireflies minor league baseball game uh, this week during during spring break at some point whenever you want to go. How many of you guys would be excited about that? Come on now. It's fun. If you've never been, it's a great time, you know. And, and here's what I love about sports, right? I love going in person, and here's why. It's not because I love spending the money to go. It's not because of, I like taking an entire day to go plan around something like that. But there's, just, there's very few things that are like walking into a stadium, football, baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter, walking into a stadium, and there's this buzz. There's this energy. You know what I'm talking about? There's just this excitement when you walk in the room, and it's like you got, if you walk into williams Bryce Stadium, there's 80,000-plus people sitting around around and they're all there to cheer on the same thing and get excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Or I walk into a baseball stadium. When I walk into a baseball stadium, my taste buds immediately want me to buy a hot dog. I don't know what it is, but it's just you get in that environment. It's like, get me a hot dog and a Coke. And then later on, about the seventh inning, we'll go get some nachos. You know what I'm saying? My taste buds just start just taking over at that point. And, and you get in there and you get excited. And if I were to give you tickets to a baseball game, football game, basketball game, anything like that. And most of you would go, I'll take them, but I'm not going to go by myself. There's very few people that would go by ourselves because you want to share that excitement. You want to share that experience. You want to be together with somebody. You want to take your family. You want to take your friends. You want to take, you know, who your pastor, praise the Lord, whoever with you on those experiences. Because if I gave you tickets, here's what you do. This is what we would all do. We'd get on our phone. We'd make phone calls. We'd send some texts, we'd maybe get on Facebook and send a message or on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Just, hey, you want to go with me? I got some tickets, they're free, you want to come with me? And here's why, because we don't want to go and sit and experience something like that all by ourselves, right? That'd just be silly. If I were to give you this, this is enough for four free tickets to a Fireflies game right here, right? I think. Yeah, four free tickets to a Fireflies game right here, right? If I were to give you this, it'd be really silly of you to go like this. Oh man, I'm going to hold on to this. 
And I've got four free tickets for you, but I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to hold on to the other three tickets. You don't get to encounter it. I get to encounter it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to give you the same experience that I'm going to get. I want to hold this all to myself. That'd be really silly because that'd be wasted money, right? Wasted time, wasted experience. You know, you'd be sitting there and you're just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go by myself. It'd be a really awkward conversation if I gave you this and you went home and your wife or your husband was like, yeah, we get to go to a Firefly's game. And you're like, no. No, just me, by myself, not you, right? And that'd be an awkward conversation. You know why that'd be an awkward conversation? Because they know that you have enough to take them with you. They know that, but yet many of us in our spiritual life, we do this. We go, oh man, this is my salvation. It is so good. James said, work out your own salvation. I'm working out my own salvation. It is so good. It is so powerful. I got freedom. I got joy. I got love. I got encounter. I'm a part of a church. I built relationship. Like all this stuff is just amazing and it's so good. And Jesus is going, I gave you tickets to bring somebody along the path with you. And you're going, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to encounter this by myself. I'm going to encounter Jesus by myself. I'm going to encounter church by myself. Like when I walk into church, there's nothing like it, right? There's a buzz in the lobby because the pastor went over 10 minutes. And so there's people backed up in the lobby, all this stuff. You know, there's a buzz in the lobby. The parking lot's got a buzz. There's all these things going on. We walk in, the worship team is crushing it. Anybody with me in the house? You know what I'm saying? That new song, Risen, gives me a workout every time. I love that song. It gives me jacked up. You know, I don't have to go to the gym because of that. And, you know, the, the worship team's doing it. I got the best pastor in the world. So he preaching the word. It's just going crazy. Y'all did better. Y'all did better than the first service on that one. I'm just, go fishing. Y'all bought a little, y'all bit a little bit on that one. You know what I'm saying? And I walk out and I've met some new people and I've loved on some folks and it's just been a good service, but I'm just going to hold that to myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to counter that by myself. That'd be silly, wouldn't it? And when we put it in those terms, most of us would go, yeah, that's pretty dumb. But most of us in our spiritual lives, that's what we do every single day. It's like, oh, this is mine. This is my salvation. This is my love. This is, I'm going to caress this and I'm going to hold on to what Jesus has done to me. I'm not going to invite you on the journey. I'm not going to tell you what he's done. I'm not going to give you the free ticket. I'm just going to hold on to this right here because if I give it to you, it might go away. And Jesus is going, no, it's not. If I give it to them, then they get to encounter the same thing you get to encounter. And so it's everything. And so it'd be really mean of me to stand up here with four free tickets to Fireflies games and not give them away, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be nice. Get over it. No, I'm just kidding. Who wants some Fireflies tickets in the house today? Who would like to? I saw your hand first. Come on up here and get these right there. Nick, will you hand these to her right there? She's coming up. Y'all give it up for her. She gets some free tickets for spring break to go see the baseball game. It's a great time if you've never been. Go check it out. But, and so I want to I talk to you because here's the thing. I want to talk to us about this because the thing is, is the longer we, this is really disappointing, but the longer we, Serve Jesus, most of us, we get numb to a lot of things about Jesus. We'll get numb to doing things for him, with him, and about him, right? We'll get numb to the teachings of Jesus. Like, we'll get numb to, to praying. You know, we'll spend less. Here's the sad thing. I know people that serve Jesus for a long time, yet the longer they serve him, the less time they spend talking to him. And it's because we, we've become so familiar with Jesus. It's like, hey, I'll fit you into my schedule, and I'll talk to you because, you know, hey, I've been serving Jesus 15 years. Well, how long do you pray? Well, I fit him in like when I'm laying down at night. I got a busy schedule. I work all day and I got to take care of kids and, and I got all this stuff and I got to cook and I got I got keto to keep up with. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, get me some fried chicken. Forget that keto stuff. But I'm just kidding. We got keto people in the house. Uh, but 
But, you know, I got all this stuff, and then we go. I just, before I lay down and go to sleep at night, I'll talk to him, and I want to look at him and go, man, the, the longer we serve Jesus, the longer we live for Jesus, we ought to spend more time with him, not, not less time with him. We ought to hear from him more than we did six months ago. If I'm not hearing from Jesus more than I did six months ago, maybe I need to, to reevaluate the time I'm spending with him. We'll become numb to prayer. We'll become numb to worship. We'll think worship is all about a band getting me hyped up with some lights and smoke and, and screens and, and these great musicians coming up when worship is nothing to do with that. Worship is a position of the heart, a posture of your heart. It's everything that we have that we worship Him and we just worship corporately like this and this is fun and this is great and we get hyped up so that we can worship together but I should be worshiping on Monday just like I do on Sunday. Anybody? You know, and we get numb to that because, you know, it's Jesus. It's this Christian life, you know, and, and then we get and we get numb to, 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 to serving and we get numb. You know, I don't need to serve. I, I serve. I serve Jesus by going to work five days a week. I get two days off. I'm not doing anything on Sunday. And Jesus is like, I didn't ask you that. It's part of a prerequisite that if you're going to love me, you're going to serve with me. You know, not serve for me, but with me. And we're doing this together because you love me and because you love my people. Like we get numb to that. So we get numb to inviting people. You know, because we just want to get through life, not bring them on life with. How many of you know there's some people we just don't want to do life with? Y'all like, uh-uh, I ain't falling into that one. We all do. Like, let's don't be holy about it. We, we all have people where we're like, just, I just, no, not doing this, you know. But, you know, those people still deserve to hear about the encounter with Jesus. You know, and, and, and that's where we get numb a lot of times where it's like, man, I just, I, I, can, can I tell you this? There is nothing in Scripture, if you go and you read about the kingdom and you read about the teachings of Jesus, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us we shouldn't bring people on the path with us. There's never anything in Scripture that tells us that we shouldn't tell people about how good He is. There's nothing in Scripture that tells me I can sit in a blue chair and I can cross my legs and I can take notes and I can lift my hands on Sundays and I can do that stuff but never do anything else the rest of the six days of the week. There's nothing in Scripture that tells me that. In fact, if you go to the explosion of the church in the book of Acts, you know what it tells me? It tells me that they were doing something every single day of the week. They were meeting together. They were eating together. They were helping each other in time of need. They were worshiping together. They were sitting at the apostles' teaching. They were learning. They were growing. They were praying. They were sitting in an upper room, fasting and focusing on the Lord. Can I tell you something? There is nothing in Scripture, if you go read about the New Testament church in the actual New Testament, I'm not talking about books. Go get your truth from the, from the gospel, from the Bible, and let the books support that. I mean, let that support the books. And the truth of the matter is, is if you go read about the New Testament church, can I tell you what happens? It's an everyday, every hour, every minute, active, participatory event that happens with Jesus where we encounter him every day. But we've relegated this thing to a, a one day a week. And, and I just want to talk to you about John chapter 1 for a few minutes because there's this, this, this opportunity that takes place. And there's this conversation and this encounter that takes place to where Jesus is coming along and John the Baptist is there and he's with some of his disciples and they recognize who Jesus is. And this wild adventure kind of takes place of following people. And then as they're following him, they go and get friends to come along with them. And I, I want to look at some things in here because it's really important that we understand that Jesus cares about who we do and do not bring on the path with us. Jesus cares about that because if we don't bring them on the path to Jesus, we might as well look at them and just tell them, go to hell. Anybody? You guys alive, alive today? And so I, I just want to look at this and see what it feels like. In, in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 46, it says this. Again, 
The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will what? See. If you want to take notes and you should be taking notes, I hope you are. Write this title down, Come and See. Come and see is the title of today. Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In verse 46, Nathanael said to him, Come, uh, I mean, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and what? Come and see. Jesus, take these words and let your Holy Spirit awaken them in our lives. Don't let them be words uh, on a page. Let them be action in our lives. Let them be driving narrative that takes us on an adventure to driving people closer to the cross. And Jesus, we love you and honor you in your name. Amen. Amen. So there's a few things in here, first of all, that we've got to pay attention to in this thing. So John the Baptist, listen, a lot of times if we don't understand the culture, we can think that Jesus was the only one with disciples. Rabbis and teachers had disciples all over the place. It was like a congregation or his, their group of people that they were pouring their lives into. So John the Baptist is standing there pouring his life into two folks, into two disciples. And as they're standing there, this man walks by. We know by the story that it's Jesus. He walks by. And by the way that he walked by, John could look at him and declare who he was. Hear me today. John looked at his disciples, stopped what he was saying, stopped what he was teaching, stopped pouring into who he was pouring into and said, that right there is the Lamb of God. Now I want you to hear the importance of why that's important because in Jewish culture in that day, the, the Jewish people, they believed that a Messiah was yet to come. He was still to come. He was going to come from a place called Bethlehem and he was going to take over and he was going to redeem the world, right? And so what they were saying was, he said, that's the Lamb of God. Here's why that terminology is important. I'm giving you some history today. In the Old Testament, if you go back and you look, if you had an unclean flock or an unclean uh, a group of, of sheep or animals, what you would do is you'd go find a clean, pure, spotless lamb. And you'd sacrifice that lamb. And that lamb was said that when you, you sacrifice it, it cleans or redeems the rest of the flock. Who is the flock? You and I. We're unclean flock. Jesus was the lamb, the pure spotless lamb, as they call him, in the Bible that was sacrificed for you and for me. And so when John looked and he said this, that is the lamb of God. Here's what John was saying. That is the redeemer that you have been waiting for. That is the redeemer that you have pushed your entire life for. That is the redeemer you have sat and you have talked about, we have learned about, and we are waiting for. That is the redeemer that will take your sins to the cross and he will redeem your life back to a place of perfection. John said, that, behold, the Lamb of God, just by the way he walked. Why? Because John's encounter with Jesus changed the way that he received Jesus. Hear me today. The way he saw Jesus changed the way he saw Jesus. And, and, and part of the thing is, is I just want to tell you today, 
Because I know some of us are sitting in this thing for the first time or the first time in a long time. I want you to hear me today. You cannot see the true Jesus and walk away not seeing who he truly is. We cannot, our lives should not be the same as they were six months ago if we really saw Jesus. If we really saw who he was, if we really encountered the life-giving, the redeeming power of Jesus Christ in our life like we claim he was, why are we still doing the same things that we did six months ago? Why are we still willingly walking in the sinful nature that we know he redeemed us from? Why are we still walking around carrying the same baggage that he carried to the cross? Why are we still walking around carrying the same grave clothes that he looked and said that you are free from? Why are we doing that? Because I wonder if some of us have seen a portion of Jesus that people have taught us, not the true Jesus, that he wants us to encounter. When we really see Jesus, when he really walks by us, when his, when his breeze comes by us, whenever he just comes by and his presence just, it just, it just intoxicates where we are, when we really see Jesus, we can't do anything but just go back and go, behold, that is the Lamb of God. Everything about me has to shift when I encounter who he really is. I can't, here's the thing about serving, hear me today. I can't sit still when I know who Jesus really is. Because I've got to go tell somebody. I've got to look at people that follow me for wisdom and go, no, 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 no. i got to stop pouring into you for a minute because the presence, the Lamb of God just walked by. Don't listen to me. Look at him. you got to build your life on him. Do you understand that's what John the Baptist was essentially saying? He was essentially looking at them and going, I know you're looking at me for wisdom. You're looking at me for knowledge. You're looking at me to build your life and your future on me and what I'm teaching. But I need you to stop looking at me for a minute because behold, that right there is the Lamb of God, the one you've been searching for. The one you've been waiting for. And hear the hope in that. He looks at him and goes, that is the hope of the universe he just graced your presence he walked by you that breeze you felt that was the lamb of god the dust that came up from his footstep and got on your robe that was the dust of god the truth is when he glanced in your direction he looked at you and gave you the favor of god because that is the lamb of god you got to hear the hope in what he's saying he looks and he says behold and i want to ask you this question today is our lives declaring who he really is. You know, there's a, we're about to go into a, a series on this very scripture and topic, but there's a scripture that says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, uh, mind, and with all your uh, heart. Can I tell you something? Here's, let's put that in a very simple term. Love God with everything you've got. With everything you've got. When you go to work, love God. When you go home, Love God. Love God in everything you do. In other words, declare that I'm the Lamb of God through everything you do. Through the way that you treat people, it should declare I'm the Lamb of God. Through the way that you love your spouse, it should declare I'm the Lamb of God. Through the way that you parent your kids, declare I'm the Lamb of God. Through the way that you submit to your boss, declare I'm the Lamb of God. Through the way that you love people you don't even know, declare I'm the Lamb of God. Through telling people that they're number one in your life when they cut you off on the interstate. Declare I'm the Lamb of God. The question is, is everything in my life, is my life declaring who he really is? Because here's the thing, if I've really encountered him, I don't know that I can tell that he's anything but that. If I've really encountered him, most of us, hear me, 
The sad part is most of us think that we've encountered him because we've encountered the tradition that everybody else told us that he was. Because I came to an altar and I cried a little bit and had some goosebumps, I've encountered Jesus. You may have encountered him a little bit there, but where you encounter him in your prayer closet on Tuesday night when everything's falling apart, that's an encounter with Jesus. When you're standing there and you're listening to what he's trying to say, that's encountering Jesus. What am I encountering of him? Because here's what I'm learning in my life. The way that I live my life is often an example of how I internally see him. Can I tell you something? Listen, the way I receive people I don't like is an external example of how I actually see how he receives me. If I look at people and I'm like, dude, I just can't deal with you. Get out my face. I don't even want to talk to you. I can't forgive you. I'm done with you. I'm cutting you off. Most of us, if we went back to a deep, dark, secret place in our lives that is locked up, we would go, Jesus looks at me the same way every time I mess up. The way that I I love people, the way that I commit my life to his church that he died for, the way that I invite people on the journey with me, all the things that I do, the way that I talk to authority is often the way that I think that I should be talking to Jesus. The truth of the matter is how I live my life is often an example of the internal commitment and love that I have for him and the way that I see him. And I just want to ask you this question in a very challenging way. And I want to ask you, is my life really, really declaring who he really is? Or is my life declaring who I want people to think that I see him as? Is P, do, I, do I live my life based on the assumption that other people are watching me and I've got to put up a front for them? Or do I really love Jesus so much that, you know what, you can do me wrong and I'll still love you? I, I, you know what, I, I, I think Jesus is so grace-filled, I, I give grace. You know what, I think that Jesus is so loving that I'll wrap my arms around you when nobody else will. I think Jesus is so generous that if you tell me to give away my truck and my house, Jesus, I'll do it. What is my life declaring, who, who, what is my life declaring that he is? Who is he according to my life? Or am I looking at people and going, man, you got to come meet this guy, Jesus. He's so grace-filled and love-filled. He loves me. He's pulled me out of the pits of hell. He's pulled me out of addiction. My church is amazing, yet they come to church three times in a row and you aren't even there. Or they see you talk mad. They they see you gossip about somebody in the workplace and then they want to hear you talk about how loving he is. Hear me today. Listen, most of us, we are the only Jesus they will see. We are Jesus with skin on. We are Jesus walking the earth today for most of these people. In the moment we say, I've given him my life, let me tell you how good he is. They start watching how we're living because how we live is actually an example of how we see him. Is my life declaring that he is the Lamb of God? Is my life declaring, behold, stop what you're doing. That is the Lamb of God. That is, he is loving and grace-filled and and gracious and and, and, and forgiving and redeeming. That is our redeemer. And then there's something interesting that takes place. So John is showing them all this, and then they see Jesus start walking. And you ever had this happen to where maybe you're in the grocery store or something, and you feel like somebody's following you? Maybe you're driving home, and there's this random car that takes every turn that you take, and you're like, "I'm I'm on the phone right now. Call Live PD and get them down here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of get freaked out, right? Or some of you, y'all do this. You see somebody in the, in the grocery store you don't really want to talk to, so you skip that aisle because you hope that they didn't see you. So you go to the next aisle and kind of come up behind them on, on that aisle, hoping that they ain't there anymore and won't see you. Come on, y'all acting holy today. What's wrong with y'all? Don't, don't act like that. 
You know, but you got people. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what Jesus did next time. So I feel like somebody's following me around a gas station or, or, or whatever, and they're not really following me. But the next time they do, I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to look at them and go, what do you seek? <laughs> just what do you seek? That'll throw them off. They'll be like, oh, huh? Who talks like that? What are you talking about? Jesus, Jesus notices these three guys, John the Baptist. He knows John the Baptist. He knows all of them. But he notices these three guys following him, right? And here's what happens. He notices three guys following him, and what does he turn around and do? He turns around and goes, what do you seek? In other words, why are you following me? What do you want to know from me? Why are you chasing me? What is the knowledge you need from me? Many of us, many of us are begging Jesus to turn his attention to us, but we won't chase him. Oh my God. Many of us are sitting in a place to where we go, I need his, I need you to look in my direction, Jesus. And he's going, if you chase me a little bit, I would. But I'm not a gumball machine that every time you say Jesus, I, you turn the handle and you get something. Chase me and I'll turn and look and go, what do you seek? What do you need? What do you want from me? Come on, somebody. That's a word. Somebody in the room is looking for Jesus' attention and he's looking at you and saying, chase me, look after me, come after me, go where I go, do what I do, go somewhere with me and stop expecting me to meet you in your sin all the time and get out of your muck and find me in my glory. That's a word. And so he turns and he says, what do you seek? And they look at him and they say, where are you staying? Why do they want to know where you're staying? They want to know where you're staying because they want to be in his presence more. That goes back to what I said, the longer... We're with Jesus, the more we should want to spend time with him. When's the last time? I hear people all the time, Pastor, I have served Jesus for 20 years. I don't know what his voice sounds like. And what that means to me is I haven't gone to where he's staying long enough. Mm. Because I haven't listened to where he's at. I haven't followed him. And he looks at him, he says, what do you see? We want to know where you're staying. And here's what he says to him. Come and what? You will see. Many of us come to Jesus asking for an answer. But Jesus then takes us on a journey. And we get mad at the journey, but what if the journey is the answer? What if the journey that we don't know, because he never looked at him and said, follow me to Bethsaida, follow me to Nazareth, follow me to Jericho, follow me to Bethlehem. He never said that. He said, come with me. Get some dust on your sandals. Wear the leather off the bottom. Get some dust on your robe. Get hot and sweaty. Eat all the locusts you got. Do what you got to do. But you're going to follow me if you want to know where I'm working. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to be with me. What if the journey is the answer? What if the easy answer isn't what, that's what we're praying for, but the easy answer would kill us. Because here's what most of us do. Jesus, give me an answer. And the moment we get an answer, we go, thanks, I'll talk to you later. But if we're following him, then he looks at us and goes, I got you. And I can teach you something on the journey. Because the journey is often where the gift is developed. It's not on the platform that a gift is developed. On the platform is where a gift is used. It's on the journey to the platform where the gift is developed. And something magical can take place. And most of us are in this place where we want, I want an answer. What do I need to do to get more money? What do I need to do to have my own business? What do I need to do to be a better spouse? What do I need to do to be a better parent? And Jesus is going, come with me and you will see. Come and you will see. The journey is the answer. Somebody turn around in your neighbor and say, the journey is the answer. Come on, somebody. The journey's the answer. So they're on the journey and they're following Jesus. And once they get there, it says that they stayed with him. That means they sat in his presence. 
Some of us need to sit in his presence a little while. And then they're sitting in his presence and things begin to shift in their life. And they look at the, then it says that they begin going and getting their friends. It says that he goes and, and from that point forward, he's, they're telling their story and they're going and getting their friends. And here's the thing. I need you to hear this today. This is a quick Passover, but I need you to hear this. Your story matters. Most people will go, well, I don't have this dramatic story, or I have this story that is too dramatic, or I've done this, or I've done that, or I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. Listen to me. Your story is unique to you, and the people connected to you need to hear your story. They need to hear your story of addiction to redemption. They need to hear your story of depression to joy. They need to hear your story of sickness to health. They need to hear your story of divorce to reconciliation. They need to hear your story of all of that, because your story is unique to you, but it's powerful to him, and it connects to somebody and there's nobody in listen the people that are connected to you need to hear your story so they can connect to him hear me you've got to share your story don't share a version of the story that you think other people need to hear don't share your version of the story that is just this Hollywood version that and makes it feel good. Share your story. Maybe you've never drank a drop of alcohol, done a drug, but and you gave your life to Jesus at seven years old. Your story is not about what you've done, but what he's bringing you to. Your story matters. Look at him. Look at people connected to you and go, I need to tell you. Because here's what they said. They said, I, we have found the Messiah. In other words, they're declaring the hope of the universe to these people. Why could they say that? Because they have sat in his presence. Their story connected hope to what they're waiting for. Let me tell you about my story. You ever heard somebody come home from a restaurant that you've been wanting to try? And they come home from this restaurant or you talk to them about this restaurant, you ask them how it is. And man, they just begin telling you about how good it is. You know what I'm saying? Man, I went to this place and they got the best tacos around. They just, you know, you can get all these different flavors of tacos. And when you bite into it, it's just great and it's amazing and all these things. You know, you get the best chips and salsa and they do the, the atmosphere is so fun. The people are so nice and it's just great. And you start talking about what's happening in the, in the moment. Or I go to Kiki's Chicken and Waffles, praise the Lord. And then that syrup on that chicken, that fried chicken is incredible. And I can sit here and I can explain it to you and your mouth can start watering and you will hear my story and you will go, I need to go check that out. Do you know why? Because I sold the story and I told you what I've encountered. Many of us have people in our lives that don't want to encounter church because of the story that we've told. Let me tell you what they said to me this Sunday. Let me tell you what I don't like. Let me tell you what I don't do. Let me tell you. Many of us will talk more bad about the church than we will good about Jesus. And here's the thing, your story carries weight your story matters every now and then I get an opportunity and I go and share my story about having heart issues and dying on a on an operating table not dying but almost dying on an operating table three times and coming back and, and Jesus has got purpose in my life and, and and all this stuff and I'm all this stuff and then people are like oh your story was so amazing and I'm like yeah but that's my story and here's what I'll tell them a lot of times especially teenagers don't wait for an heart issue to almost kill you to give your life to Jesus. Live it out. You need to tell your story. Some of you need to go home. You need to get on social media. And you need to apologize to the 2,500 people that you don't know that follow you. For all the negativity you've put out there. And start telling them about what he's done in your life. 
Come on, somebody. That's what I'm saying. Some of us need to go home, and we need to take a stand, and we need to go ask for me in my house. We going to serve the Lord. We need to walk in our cubicle at work tomorrow. Ask for me in my job. We going to serve the Lord. Ask for me in my food line. We going to serve the Lord. Ask for me in Elgin. We going to serve the Lord. Ask for me in Kershaw County, Richland County, Florence County, Lexington County. We going to serve the Lord. And tell my story. And don't let up on my story because my story is my story, but your story is always developing because it's a journey. The last thing, the last thing, if you read 43 through 46, man, this amazing thing takes place and it says that they came and saw. He says that he looks and, and, and it goes from John and the disciples and all these people start following. They go grab somebody else, John and the disciples, and then Andrew gets Peter uh, and, and then Simon Peter goes and gets Philip. Philip, uh, I mean, Jesus goes and gets Nathaniel. And then Nathaniel says this. He says, what good could come out of Nazareth? Here's why he said that. I want you to hear this. The reason he said that is because the Savior that they were talking about, the Messiah, was supposed to come from Bethlehem and not Nazareth. Sometimes what we're looking for is it doesn't come in the package we think it does. So they're in this thing, and he says, what good can come out of Nazareth? And here, here, <laughs> here's what he says. He says, just come and see. He, he says this, if you just come and see, it'll all make sense. Most of us know somebody that questions a lot about Jesus, questions a lot about church, and questions a lot about this stuff. Many of us just need to look at him and go, I get all that. And I don't have the answers to that, but you need to come and see. You need to come and just sit in this presence. You need to come see him. You need to come see, and I'm going to save you a seat so that you can see with me. Because my story, it, it, you encountered my story, but I want to encounter yours. And here's the thing. They came and they became disciples and they turned the world upside down. And we're preaching the same gospel they were then. Why? Because they came and they what? Saw. They came and they saw. And it started, most of us sitting in the room today, myself included, came to church because of an invite. In our world, in our kids' worlds, in our families, in our workplaces will forever be changed because somebody cared enough about who I was going to be to ask me to join the journey of faith with them. And here, here's, he said, come and see. But he said, you got to encounter me and then build your life on it. James says it like this, work out your own salvation. Many of us serve religion and not relationship. Here's what I mean by that. You know what religion is? It's tradition that happens based on someone else's encounter with Jesus. You know what relationship is? Action that is based on my encounter with him. <laughs> For instance, let me put it to you in layman's terms. I'm going to go home today. I'm going to go home to a smoking hot wife and three amazing kids. And when I get home, I've got to be a husband. And I got to be a dad. And many of you, I respect you and I love you. And I could come to you and I could be like, tell me how to be a husband. But if I go and I'm who you are and I just start doing what you tell me to do based off the tradition of your encounter, of your love with your spouse, it's not going to mean anything to her. You know why? Because it's my love and my encounter with her. I know how she ticks. I know how she works. And the way that you love your wife will be different than the way that I love my wife because of the encounter that I've had. Come on. I can't look at my mom and dad and granddad and grandma and every other place and go, this is how we love Jesus. That's their encounter, not mine. 
Your grandma and granddad may have an intercessory call on their life, so they spend 12 hours a day in a prayer closet. You may spend 12 hours a day doing something else. The truth of the matter is all of it's important, but it's based on your call and your encounter with the Jesus, the Lamb of God. You hear me today? I've got to base everything I do for Jesus on the relationship that I have with him. He said, come, come and see. And I, I want to encourage you today. Some of you need to just come and see. You've been serving a Jesus that, if I'm going to be honest, doesn't even exist. He's a mean, hateful, non-forgiving, ungraceful, ungrateful Jesus that just waits on you to mess up so he can take. That's not the Jesus that I know. The Jesus in the gospel is the Jesus that loved you so much that when you messed up, you were still a part of the kingdom. That when you had flaws, you were still a part of the kingdom. That he's going to correct you out of love to make you better, not to make you bitter. He's the Jesus that loves who you are, who you were, and how, who you will be. He's the Jesus that gave his life before you ever gave yours. Many of us are in a place to where we serve a Jesus that requires me to do X, L, I, and Z before I can love him. No, 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 no. Jesus is the Jesus that just wants you. He doesn't want who you're pretending to be. He doesn't want who everybody else told you you should be. He wants you. But hear me, Jesus wants them. He wants everybody you're connected to to give their life to his cross. He doesn't want us to look at him and go, man, you know what? If you just pray more, you know why you're not healed of that affliction that you got, that sickness? If you just pray more. I had a man tell me that one time. You know why you can't get rid of that pacemaker in your chest? Because you just need to believe that God can do more. And I looked at him and I said, you don't know my walk of faith. Don't tell me that. You don't know that I wake up every single day and pray that this thing would be taken out of my chest one day. That's my journey. That ain't yours. Don't judge me based on that. Here's the truth. Listen to me. Jesus looks at us all and says this. I love you. And I need you to go tell them that I love them. In other words, go find your Nathaniel. Go find your Philip. Go find your Simon Peter. Go find your Andrew. Go find your John. Go find every one of them. And this is the thing. We've got to get to a place to where we walk into a place to where we don't go anywhere without telling someone about Jesus. You know why we give you invite cards? It's not for filling up the chairs. That's a byproduct. It's a great conversation starter to tell your story to somebody. That's why there should never be a week that goes by that we shouldn't share it. Because my journey matters. There should never be a day that goes by we shouldn't share it. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I'm closing. Thank you for a little bit of patience today. I'm excited about next week. But I just want to tell you this. Maybe you're sitting in the room today and you've heard about a Jesus you've never heard of before. You've never heard of a Jesus that actually loves and helps. You've heard of a Jesus that judge and condemns. Can, can, can I tell you? He's here and he wants you. And then when he gets us, the gospel tells me that it's my job to go get them and tell them to come and see.
and get committed. If you would, just bow your heads. And if there's anybody in the room that would say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I've never done that. I've never made that prayer. Or maybe I did, but I did it in religion and out of habit and out of action. But today I'm saying, this is my life. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to be obedient. And I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to cross from death to life with the three other people that did that today, the nine other people that did it last week. I just want to be the person that gives my life to him. And I want to live with him in the cross. If that's you, and you're ready for that, would you just hold your hand up right where you are today, all over the room. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're going to feel a clipboard slip in your hand, and that's okay. Just hold on to that. We want to walk this journey with you. But if you're in the room today and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, today is the day, would you slow, throw your hand up right now? Now here's what we're going to do. Everybody in the room, we're going to pray together. And we're going to ask Jesus. We're going we're to all ask Jesus together because we do this as a family. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me your life. Thank you for giving me forgiveness and redemption and grace. I give you everything I have. My past, my present, and my future. I lay it at the foot of the cross. And I ask that you redeem it. That you forgive it. And you take me where you want me to go. I promise to, to obey you. And be with you because I love you. If you got that clipboard, I just want to say, I want you to take a few minutes in just a moment and fill that out. Take it by the Connect Center. We want to walk this journey with you, but I want to pray over every one of us because this week is the greatest opportunity to invite people to come and see. Next Sunday is the highest attended day of the year at churches all across the nation. And they say the highest percentage of people will accept your invite if you give it this week right coming up. Let's go out and do that. Father, we honor you. We praise you. We worship you. We understand that our, God, our, our God-given value and purpose, no matter what, is all about this. It's all about telling people to come and see. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Fire us up. Set a fire down in our soul that we can't go anywhere and not share your gospel. That we can't see anybody and not have a fire for what you're doing in their life. God, take us where you want us to go. And God, just help us to tell people to come and see. And when I say amen in just a minute, I want you to put your hands together and shout for the one person that gave their life to Jesus this morning. Father, we honor you. We thank you for somebody crossing from death into life today. Take us and make us new. In your name we pray. Come on, church. Church, make some noise. Amen.